Hello, everyone, and welcome to the PPC Show, brought to you by AdStage. I am Paul Wicker. And I'm J.D. Prater. And today's June 21st. These are your top headlines in paid marketing, and I'm on the road. I'm doing my own Scott Galloway impersonation. I am not in the office. Where are you? I'm, uh, I'm technically in the Hotel Argonaut in Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco. So it's only about 10 minutes from the office. So it's not as exotic as Scott Galloway who's at the Cannes Film Festival. But nonetheless, I'm actually at an event called B2B in the Black. And it's uh, an agency, an ad stage customer called Business Online invited us. And it's great. It's a bunch of CMOs and uh, CFOs. And the whole thing is about connecting like finance and marketing. And it's a lot of CMOs in the room who are like trying to figure out how to get better relationships with the CFO team so they can you know, get more budget, explain what they're doing, uh, justify the programs they're running, because it's, it's new, especially a lot of folks in the room are working at very big, multi-billion dollar companies. So this stuff in startup land, we're like, yeah, of course you do LTV CAC ratios, duh, and you know, the folks in the room generally are not in that mindset. But So it's been really interesting. I also want to say one other thing. I met uh, Viviana Fega, who is a a partner. Uh, she's at Emergence Capital. Emergence Capital invested early in a little company called Salesforce. They were the first investor in a little company called Zoom. Uh, she's brilliant. And her job is to go into these Series A startups. So she met Zoom before it was Zoom, because I guess the two founders had another business that failed. So they already knew the two founders of Zoom. So they were like the first investors. And Zoom just IPO'd, if, if people aren't aware, like a week ago. Um, and her job was to advise them on how to build their marketing organization at a Series A startup. So mm-hmm. as a Series A startup, I was like, oh, Viviana, do you mind if I pick your brain <laughs> for 10 minutes? Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm high on life right now because she's brilliant. And she, uh, a little company called Yammer that got by, bought by Microsoft for over a, a billion dollars. She was the marketer who spearheaded the whole viral effect that it, now we all know, freemium model. Uh, she's like work with a hit list of who's who in B2B SaaS. So I'm, I'm basking in, in her uh, brilliance, uh, but I'm ready to talk about, about marketing as well. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were also going to just like throw in, oh, and a little company called Slack. You know, I, like, I thought you could get like a trifecta there, but anyway. Yeah, I mean, she kept dropping the names of early investors at these companies. Like, man, Jeez. why are you even working? Aren't you just on a beach somewhere? But she was an operator. She ran marketing for uh, Salesforce. That's how oh, that's cool. even she wasn't at... Um, the the VC firm yet at Emergence. She was actually running. She worked with Mark Benioff. She did all Mark Benioff's keynote presentations. She did all the product launches for Salesforce in the early days. So she knows a thing or two. Wow. Sounds like it, man. Yeah. So a lot of fun marketing conversations. Uh, but And then you, you're closing on your house. Should we talk about that on the air or no? <laughs> I hope so, man. I hope I close. Uh yeah, I think we are going to be clearing contingencies today. So hopefully all contingencies are off. Uh, at least that's what I just signed. So I'm hoping from here on out it's smooth sailing with a July 3rd close date. But man, in this market, you just never know. Like if they back out, I swear, I swear I'm going to punch some faces. <laughs> well, good luck. I know selling a home, it's like top five most stressful things in life. It's like new job, baby, marriage, divorce, and selling a home. They're supposed to be all super high stress things. You know what? I did it all in a year. No big deal. Like, <laughs> had a kid, moved, selling a home, new job. Hey, that's just what I do. 
impressive. Four out of five. Not too bad. Oh man, stress uh, levels. I'm ready. I'm ready to go hang out with the with the the great whites <laughs> now. <laughs> like, that that seems easy. That's tame. Oh, right. I was, I was going to say that was pretty morbid. I thought you were going to go swimming with the great whites. And be like, I can't take it. <laughs> I can't take. No, no. I was like, that that seems easy now. So right. All right. Um, so in the news this week, a bunch of really interesting stories. Um, one that I like is this global alliance that mm-hmm. some media companies are trying. Well, not media, actually. Some brands are trying to create to motivate media companies to be more responsible. So we've talked a lot about brand safety over the years. I mean, it was really in the news maybe about two years ago when there was a bunch of horrible examples of ads showing up on you know racist videos and some extreme right-wing stuff. And the media companies famously pulled back some ad spend. Even just a few months ago, it all happened again. Remember, was it Com- or not Comcast? It was uh, AT&T. AT&T was like, we're finally ready to put money back on YouTube. And it lasted like a week until someone yeah. reported some you know, ad on a terrible video. So now it looks like the brands are trying to take action. I mean, hey, you got to, right? Because here's the thing. If the brands don't, and I really think it should be them, uh, and I'm maybe somewhat controversial, it should be them over the government, right? And I think at this point, the, the quickest action is from the brands because the brands control the advertising dollars. Advertising dollars are the revenue for the biggest companies, right? All these advertising companies, Google, Facebook, it's all ad revenue. You take that away from them, they're going to start paying attention. So this Global Alliance for Responsible Media kicking off this week in Con, Con, Cans, Canes. How do you, I, 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 I think it's French. Con. Con, I think it's what I heard, Con. Anyway, uh, kicking off this week, you know, being led with Unilever, Mars, uh, some, some, some big brands with some like big budgets, and they're really going after them. Say, hey, this is fake news. This stuff is promoting terrorism. It's like sexual exploitation. It's bullying. It's hate speech. We got to put a stop to this, and you guys need to do it. Take responsibility so that we can feel safe giving you our advertising dollars. And the three companies uh, that were in this, you know, you mentioned Unilever is everything you use to clean your body. They make soap. I mean, they make a ton of things, uh, any cleaning yeah. product. Mars, which makes everything you eat. So they make candy, but they also make a ton of food. And then Diageo is everything you drink. So every liquor you ever buy that you think is some brand from Russia or China or the U.S. or Europe is all owned by Diageo. So they own billions of dollars in and product revenue and their spend is tremendous. So if they can pull together and have this collective negotiating power, it really could really could force the social media platforms to change. Because we've always said, like, at the end of the day, Google doesn't care. Even AT&T is huge, spends a lot. But on their own, AT&T isn't enough. But if you do take these top brands, you put them all together and you say, YouTube, we are all going to pause our ad campaigns for a week. Now you start really costing them you know, millions upon millions of dollars and can influence change. So. Good luck. Uh, I hope that has some, uh, it's not just a, a cons film festival party they wanted to throw. So it came up with the global <laughs> Alliance. <laughs> and you gotta then get on those beaches, you know? All right. True. Uh, All right. Amazon. So this one's great uh, because I, I, I'm intimately familiar with this whole situation. <laughs> I uh, thought you would like this one. So yeah, if you're intimately, yeah, lay it on us. Familiar. So, wow. Intimately. I'm intimately familiar. Well, so Amazon Twitch acquired uh, Bebo. Most of us won't remember who Bebo is. They were one of the first social networks back in the day, and they, they were like a rocket ship, and then they totally crashed and burned. But the founders of Bebo, really brilliant folks, uh, specifically this guy, Sean, uh, Sean Purry, I think his name is, and he started a company called Blab. 
And Blab was what we used mm. to launch this very podcast mm -hmm. like four years that. ago. Yeah. He was, he's actually personal. Well, not, he was coworkers with one of our engineers. One of our engineers was one of the first engineers at Bebo. And he said, hey, I launched a thing called Blab. You should use it. And that's how I think I had AJ Wilcox on. And me and AJ were like the first podcast for the PPC show like four years ago. And now Twitch and Amazon have decided to buy Bebo for $25 million, which is clearly just an aqua hire. It's like 10 employees who are super bright. They've launched a few other businesses since, since Bebo. And they outbid like Facebook and uh, somebody else uh, to, to buy Bebo. So I'm excited about that news, but it has for no reason related to marketing. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, hey, $25 million. Uh, did you see who offered 20? Well, Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. they did 20. You and know, it's, you gotta well, love that. I'm guessing it's the technology they built it at, uh, at both at Bebo and its subsequent companies was all about live streaming. So I wonder if it's to just beef up the live streaming efforts, which obviously Twitch is a live streaming platform and Facebook. Uh, live has a lot of investment there and uh, the other company whose name keeps escaping me is also a live streaming company so i think it's really just amazon beefing up their live streaming talent uh, and their other big announcement in terms of products you don't ever think about uh, is amazon is shutting down spark their social shopping alternative which i didn't even know existed did you ever use that thing i, I you know i i didn't i was I'm actually surprised. So I, I was reading more about this. I never used it, uh, but they shut it down just after like two years. And so it must have like not been doing great. But again, I was just like, this makes complete sense of reading more about it, that they were kind of um, trying to like take advantage of this, you know, social network, but also like influencer marketing and then using the backbone of Amazon's e-commerce to kind of, you know, so you have this influencer, then you can like buy it right there on Amazon. So it, like a lot of it like made sense. I'm, I'm interested to see how, if they like repurpose this later on, you know, is it going to relaunch in a year? Uh, because it seems like a really good idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, also I think we talked about a few weeks ago, Amazon powers the Snapchat integration. I think, you know, Pinterest, who we'll talk about in a second, has been doing a lot of e-commerce. Uh, now Pinterest is a public company, but you wonder if Amazon didn't realize it's just easier to, to grab the fire that already exists and you mm -hmm. power the e-commerce experience rather than try to start your own kind of social anything. Cause it's so hard to build a social media platform from the ground up. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's a hit business. Either it catches fire because it's a viral game. You know, the only way you get more people on your social network is to have more people on your social network. Yeah. So I wonder if they just focus on, all right, let's find places where it makes sense to integrate commerce like Pinterest, maybe like Quora, so that uh, if people are having conversations about products and product reviews, it's a great place to, to buy things rather than try to build their own. Yeah, I think that makes complete sense. Like the the network effect, there just wasn't there for the the spark. So shutting it down, I completely get it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm interested to see if they end up relaunching maybe like a, a piece of this or a part of this because it does seem to make sense if you had influencers like using Amazon, posting photos, these creators, and then you know giving them like a rev share to like buy your product. It just seems like you can contain that and own it, and that would be a really positive thing. But yeah, I could I could see we'll how see. the business case at Amazon was was tight, but it makes me feel better too as a product person. You know, a lot of the products you build are not going to be successful. So even Amazon, and I have a good friend who is uh, she's very senior at Amazon, um, and she said the amount of work they do into like really doing some deep analysis of a project before they launch it is insane. 
And even after all that, they're going to have some losses. So, it, you know, as a private person, it makes me feel good to know. Even Amazon, they miss sometimes. <laughs> so, It is nice. Yes. A little bit refreshing. <laughs> and I mentioned Pinterest. They also had an announcement, not that they were going to do more with um, Amazon, quite the opposite. They're changing their third-party partnership program to just be a um, marketing partner program to more a more broad Pinterest partner platform. So now they have partners in multiple categories. I think that's a really smart idea from them. Yeah, I think any way that you can like lever partners, I mean, just even like on the marketing side, but it's also just going to help open up your network. And anytime you can make it easier for, you know, future advertisers to integrate within your product, it's only going to make you more successful. I mean, just look at like Facebook and how well they've done. And you compare that to like LinkedIn, who's really like kept a rain on their partners and who they allow in. There really is like this kind of, I think I'd rather be more like Facebook and allow people to come in, get whatever that may be, reporting, it might be posting, all these different types of API connections. So good good for Pinterest to open this one up. And it's you can see their product strategy is clearly all about e-commerce, no surprise. They've been talking right. about it. All these partners are about making it easier to buy and sell products on Pinterest. And in most cases, these are targeted at businesses who are trying to sell their products on Pinterest. So things like uh, feed management or uh, things that let you close the loop on your sales a little bit better so you can track uh, you know, how many people are viewing your posts or you're pinning your products and things along those lines. So really just not surprising that Pinterest is trying to become uh, a strong competitor to shopping on Snapchat, shopping on Instagram as well. Yeah, and I think the other like quick hit on that one was they're working on a new um, side story here. Complete the look option. Paul, are you going to complete the look on Pinterest? Man, I need to complete my look. My look is, I don't even know what you call it, like tech t-shirt. And I, I had to go to a fancy dinner with a board member and I had to go <laughs> buy a, a dress shirt because I was wearing like some old, you know, ratty t-shirt. I'm at this conference with all these CFOs and, and uh, C, uh, CMOs and I'm like, you know, wearing a t-shirt and jeans and my hair looks like a classic, just got some hair flowing everywhere. And these folks are still the jacket, jacket folks. So I I do need to complete my look. I need to start and complete my look. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can get onto Pinterest. Maybe you can use Pinterest lens, take a photo of a CMO that you like its look, and maybe you can complete the look right there within Pinterest. Now you may not be able to get it before this dinner, but Hey, you might be able to buy it all seamlessly. Well, the CMO of On24 just spoke. He was a very bright, bright gentleman. He had a good look. Maybe I should have just snapped a photo of him. <laughs> I'm just, just going to borrow your wardrobe. I hope you don't mind. Uh, you've done well with it. Um, and you, you mentioned LinkedIn and how their API partner program is a little more uh, uh, selective than some others. But it, the times are changing. You know, they're owned by Microsoft, and they announced a bunch mm-hmm. of feature changes uh, that really are kind of moving them into kind of 2019s, a little bit of a brand update to make LinkedIn feel what they say, quote, warmer and more inviting, and some new features that are, are starting to catch them up with other social platforms as well. Yeah, so all you guys out there, go check it out. Like we're seeing like a whole new redesign. It's a whole new, like different logo, new color palette, custom fonts. Uh, it's going to look a lot different. They're really going for the el- the illustration look, which has been I feel like super hot in uh, San Francisco area for at least two, maybe three years now, which is why this was started two years ago. (laughs) It took them two years to complete this process, which is just astonishing to me that there was that much like 
red tape. There's there's like that much approval. I'm sure that needed to be that much iteration, but like two years. And you can tell that this looks like it was started two years ago. No offense, but uh, it looks like something I would expect to see. Yeah, I mean, I haven't got it yet. I'm excited to see it. And it also reminds me that I love working in startups because if it yes. took me two years to do a website redesign and a product redesign, it would blow my mind. We've redesigned our product three times in the past <laughs> three years, let alone once, one two-year redesign. Also, being at this conference with a lot of CMOs and listening to their problems, it reminds me that startups, small companies, not just startups, but small right. companies, there's so many problems we don't have. Like half of their arguments are like talking about these budget meetings that take months and, you know, political wrangling to get people on your side. And I'm like, oh my God, I, I remember those days. I used to go to board meetings at a public company that was a, a $4 billion company because I was the weird digital guy. I was like a, very young, but they needed me because I was the only one who could explain what we we're doing with Google. So I got to go to the board meeting and I remember those days and it was like, you, everything takes 10 times longer than you think it's going to take. It's mind blowing. Ugh. Move fast, you know, uh, so break some things just like Facebook does. But uh, I think the other part of this one, so they we in the brand redesign, also that's going to be rolling out incrementally, so you may not see it yet. I personally do not see it in my feed. I'm just going uh, based off of the, the screenshots that I'm seeing in the, uh, in the article. But we're also going to see some new, you know, like smaller updates. So you can now share a photo and tag people in the photo. So... I um, thought this one was interesting. So Paul and I, you and I could have a photo together and I could tag you in it. It's yeah, like, it's like, okay. it's all the features from Facebook 10 years ago. LinkedIn is catching surprise, up with so Surprise, you can You can tag someone in a photo. That's mind blowing. So they added a bunch of this kind of social media <laughs> one-on-one stuff. Tag a person, easily share a video. Um, also reactions. So I have reactions. noticed this one on the platform. Yeah. You, you can do more than just like, just like Facebook rolled out two years ago. You can now do like, uh, show love, add a light bulb. Um, people still don't have a lot of options for negatives. It takes like, they never put like, you know, negative options in the first version. Right. Like, let's see. Well, there's, you know, like a thinking face. So your options are like thumbs up, clap, heart, light bulb, thinking face. But there's, you know, if there's something like sad or you don't want to be supportive of, there's there's nothing for you. Facebook did the same thing. Then they added in like a, a crying face or something like that. <laughs> I think so. this one uh, the I found, they, they I feel like they kind of buried this one. So we're all familiar with SlideShare. LinkedIn bought SlideShare and it's where a lot of us put our decks you know, after a conference, post-conference, or other people can go and look at them. Well, now they're making it easy. You can now upload them directly into like a post and your slides will live in like in your feed as a post. Now, I don't know about the evergreen aspect of this or how you're going to be able to discover it, but as far as in feed, it looks pretty seamless. It looks really nice. But again, when I'm in the feed, do I really want to go through like a 25 slide deck, or if you're listening, if you ever see me present a hundred slide deck, you know, but I, again, it's a, it's a really interesting, I wonder how this is going to play with SlideShare and the discoverability and the evergreen aspect. Yeah. Putting video in, in uh, messaging as well, uh, very much social media feel to it. And I saw somewhere again, stories. So again, I, no, I don't think same. LinkedIn's officially said it yet, but I saw another reference to they're coming next, which is again, not surprising if you see all these different features they're adding to be just like Facebook. Again, get ready for a lot of motivational sales bros telling you to hustle harder and to be positive and go close that deal. No week closes here, Paul. Right. Get that Nerf gun. 
speaking of Facebook, so I guess the next thing LinkedIn has to add is this training module. Uh, well, not add. Facebook rolled out Blueprint, I think, in 2015, and Facebook announced that they're not going to add 22 new training modules to their Facebook Blueprint program. Uh, and you can go get Facebook Ads certified, which I'm not. I don't know, are you Facebook Ads certified? No, man. You know how hard, like, it's not hard to take the test. I'll tell you what's hard. It's hard to pay $150 and then to be proctored. Like someone has to watch you take the test, whether that's in person or you have someone on your video camera watching you take the test so you don't cheat. And I'm just like, who cares if I cheat? Like, have you seen Google and Bing's? Like <laughs> we all cheat. We sit around in a circle and we tell each other the answers. Like who cares? These, these ad I don't know. These certifications are kind of meaningless to me. Yeah, it's funny, too, because in real life, if you need the answer and you could find the answer in seconds by looking on the Internet or asking your friends, like that's a great way to get an answer. <laughs> you don't yes. need to memorize the tax regulations for uh, Google Ads in South America, because I remember in the original test, they had all this stuff on like billing and taxes. And I was always like, what? Like, why? Why are you asking me about taxes in like Europe and VAT taxes? I, we don't even have VAT taxes. So. Uh, these things are a little bit ridiculous. And I feel like folks new to their career are always like, this is how I'm going to learn search and social. I'm going to take ad certification. No, go run some campaigns. If you don't have a job, just take out your credit card and spend five bucks a month and promote some crappy website that your friend has or build one. Uh, that's my opinion, but it certainly can't hurt to go through the, the modules to learn some stuff. Yeah. I mean, in these modules, I, I will give them credit. Like, it, it, it's a ton of content. The uh, Facebook Blueprint team for, I think, like North America was at HeroConf back in April. And, like, they're a, a great team. Like, like they have an entire, like, I don't know how many people dedicated to just helping you understand the ads auction or running creative or using dynamic ads. And, like, they're actually, like, fairly beneficial. You know, they're, like, five-minute videos. They're easy to consume. And with this new rollout with 22 free courses, it's like 80 lessons. Like that's that's a lot of content to one build decks for. So like those are all decks. You know, those are like all videos. Like I'm just saying, I'm glad that it's it's kind of interesting to see Facebook double down on, on education, providing the resources, providing like a team to do it, and really kind of own the narrative rather than allowing and having a bunch of marketers go out and talk about you. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's interesting to see how them uh, playing with this one. There's a lot of, a lot of uh, doubling down on this, I think. And it is a trend for sure in uh, LinkedIn when they bought whoever it is, I forget their name all the time now, the learning, Linda, they bought Linda, so. Oh yeah, Linda. A lot of folks seeing this online education space is continuing to grow, so it doesn't hurt to get your own content out there. Um, we had a great segue before that I should have used and I didn't, and I now realize it. Um, LinkedIn did a redesign. I heard someone else is doing a redesign. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, so you guys are hearing it first. We're going to be announcing it uh, probably on Monday, but when you go into Cora Ads, uh, the ad set piece of it, our targeting is getting a new refresh. So, yeah, we're going to be redesigning it for an, a new and improved look to help you understand how to target on Quora. We've gotten, uh, we've received feedback from advertisers that it could be challenging to understand what is topic 
targeting? What is interest targeting? So now we're going to be breaking that up into where you're now going to see contextual targeting underneath there that you'll have your options, behavioral targeting, you'll have your options, audience targeting, you'll have your options. And of course, the broad targeting, which is uh, run of the whole platform. So making it a little easier to consume and understand how to run ads on Quora. And was this a two year redesign that the team's been working on? Yeah, I wish like less than two months. Yeah. So uh, they're going to do that. Uh, but then you may also be hearing uh, we may be doing a full overhaul of the ads manager in the next, you know, Q3, Q4. Uh, OK, Ooh. so maybe there will be a, a two year project to redo the entire interface. Um, I should also add, since you're talking about Cora uh, announcements, that AdStage is finally going to integrate Cora. Woo! Yes, it's happening. I. Uh, we had like an alpha put together where we did some development work, but we didn't build a full importing pipeline. For those of you who care about our technical integrations at AdStage, we uh, import and store the data so we can normalize it and make it easy for you to build cross-network widgets and pie charts and all that fun stuff. So, of course, all the networks hate it because they're like, don't put our you know clicks in the same pie chart as all the other networks, but that's what marketers want, so we give them what they want. Uh, anyway, that means our integrations take a little bit longer than most other folks because they're just kind of showing data. We need to store it and do all this fun stuff to it. So long story short, we had a nice alpha done a few months ago, and I told JD, it's coming soon. But finally, it's on the top of the roadmap, and I did the ultimate trick for a product manager to get a feature delivered. Do you know what trick I had to use? The biggest customer wants it. No, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> um, especially not, and if you can show that, and they'll pay for it, that's a good one. Oh, and pay for it, yeah. Uh, uh, competitor. A competitor has it. Yeah, but remember, you're dealing with engineers. So, I oh, mean, they care engineers. about money, and they care mm. about the business success and all that fun stuff. But, you know, this isn't a sales team. So, if you tell them a competitor has it, they're like, great. Um, in this case, I had to use the Mohawk technique. Uh, mm. I think we've talked about it before. You have to bet your engineering team that they can't do it. Because if there's one thing that motivates them, it's tell them they can't. So I said, if there's no way they can get it done by July 3rd, which is before the 4th of July break in about a week and a half. Uh, and they said, yes, we can. And if, if they do, well, if they don't get it done, the CTO needs to get a henna arm sleeve tattoo. <laughs> which, if you've seen him, will look ridiculous on him. He's the most conservative person on the planet. Went to Carnegie Mellon, worked at uh, Cisco, uh, you know, super smart. Uh, and if they lose, I get it. Or if they, if they deliver it on time, I get it. But I don't care because I want the product. <laughs> so I'll gladly have a hand arm sleeve for a week or two or however long they last uh, if it means they can guarantee a deadline. So I feel very confident to say, J.D., we will have the product at le in beta, but that means fully in production um, in by the end of July, <laughs> I'll do my job and pad it by a few weeks. <laughs> nice. Well, we'll have to do a webinar together, do some co-marketing. Uh, so I guess out there listening, you guys can hear Paul and I actually talk about real business stuff uh, in a webinar. So get ready for that. That will be fun because we've been running our own Quora stuff. So maybe I'll, uh, I'll take a look and pull some fun analytics and we can talk about that. With using our own reporting tool, I think this webinar is writing itself. Uh, speaking of podcasts, let's, let's close it out with the last story about podcasts uh, brand dollars are now pouring in to podcasts now that they are you know the next big thing in fact i just heard a stat it might have been a mary meeker stat about more people now have seen podcasts or listen to podcasts than haven't in the u.s 
Hmm. So it broke the 51% mark of people in the U.S. have listened to a podcast, which is amazing because that includes really old people who are like, you know, listening to CDs or something. I know. Well, I mean, we've been, I've said it before, share of ear. It's going to be our new buzzword in a couple of years. You know, we're talking share of voice. We're talking, you know, how we measure these things. And I think share of ear, it's like, how can you get people to listen to you and hear your ad? I think this is going to be huge. I mean, last year they had uh, half a billion dollars in ad revenue. They're predicting a billion dollars come 2021. So that's, it's pretty explosive growth when I think the latest number I heard is 750,000 podcast out there over like 80 million episodes something like that anyway there's a ton of content out there brand advertisers are, are rushing to it i think zip recruiters like <laughs> it's all i ever hear is zip recruiter ads in every podcast <laughs> but yeah and now they're trying to figure out the attribution piece that's the harder part right and so there's a there's some actually some really cool companies out there within this article uh oxford road is a is an agency and they specialize and they're trying to figure out you know with their pilot of barometric you know, how do we track uh, podcast ad listeners moving through an advertiser sales funnel? You got Chartable that's really trying to understand the device graph. So you listen to it on this device. How do we then track that as, you know, down funnel, you've made a sale, or you're in the funnel. So really interesting, uh, really smart companies trying to figure this part out. And I think that's what's going to be really cool to watch over the next couple of years. And with firsthand experience, I think both of us talked about this last week or two weeks ago. It is very difficult even to understand how your own podcast is doing because there's oh, so man. many different platforms and the lack of a true leader in terms of kind of a unified management uh, product. So I'm sure there'll be there's a lot of them out there. It's just hard to know which ones are not crap. So I'm sure one or two will rise to the top and really help define performance of podcast. And then they get baked into the old attribution conversation and we'll see how they work. Uh, to actually motivate people to to understand your brand and buy your product. I know. I feel like we're kind of in this like really fun time. So are you guys out there listening? Like think about like actually watching a, an entire industry develop. And we're experiencing that with podcasts. I think it's kind of fun to see how content is coming out, how it's being distributed, and then how advertising dollars, you don't, there's no advertising dollars here on the PPC show. But hey, maybe uh, ZipRecruiter, if you want to pay us some money, like right. well, we can figure that out. But uh, Squarespace. You know, Squarespace, yeah. yeah. Square, well, that's, you know what? Go to Mailchimp, Squarespace, yeah. do a, a slash PPC show and see what happens. Maybe we'll get a discount. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing if they just like went through all these podcasts, created landing pages for them. <laughs> right. Or even just if, if, if everybody does that, then we can go to ZipRecruiter and Squarespace and say, hey, look at all the traffic we've been driving. So you should send me a check for 10 grand. Squarespace.com slash PPC show. So yeah, go check it out. Yeah, go tweet it out. <laughs> let your friends know. Uh, those are all the headlines we have this week. Uh, if you want more, you can head over to blog.adstage.io and sign up for the newsletter and you'll get a lot more in your inbox every week. So enjoy your week, everyone. See ya.